Hi, this is Laura. And Stephen. And this is our podcast, Midday Musings, where we take our lunch break to talk about anything that's on our mind. Today, we're talking about religion. The religion I was raised in, the religion Ryan Goslin was raised in, and what are some good and bad things to do for serotonin? Let's get into it. Hey, Steven. It's hey. episode 15. How you doing? Hey, Laura. I'm doing great. Episode 15. I can't... Wow. We made it 15 whole episodes. That's crazy. I know. We just dropped a podcast and kept on dropping. We just said, you know what we like doing? Podcasts. What if we just do them for like ever? Like every day, we'll just do one. Every day. Friends, families, strangers. Yeah. The relentless dropping of podcasts mm-hmm. is just because we love you. Right. Honestly, I mean, you know, I have fun doing it too. But yes, it is because of the love for all of you listening right now, whoever you are, whoever you are to us, whatever place you're in, we love you. Yeah. If you are listening to episode 18, you are among our favorite people. Yeah. Episode 18 doesn't exist yet, but we are getting there. And there's special love for people listening to episode 100. Maybe you'll get a pin. I don't know. Oh, we'll absolutely get you a pin. Once we get to episode 100, if you're listening, if you're the first one to listen to that, totally gets a pin. You know what I found out? What? Uh, a truth I found out yesterday that I found to be exciting and unexpected. Ooh, what's that? Ryan Goslin was raised Mormon. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it does because... Because it makes the most sense of anything you've ever heard. <laughs> his little tippy-tapping, his, his like little little tap dancing he does, his... His, his little wry smile, but like his innocent sense of humor, you know? Oh my gosh. That, that actually makes a lot of it make sense. It makes so much sense to me. <laughs> I was also raised Mormon. And there is a unique combination of cultural factors that once you learn someone has been raised Mormon, you immediately coalesce in your mind and you're like, oh, that makes total sense. Yeah. I actually should have known this. <laughs> right. Up until recently, I could spot a an ex-Mormon with like 90% accuracy. There, there's a difference to them. You know, yeah, like his uh, Ryan Gosling's rant about papyrus and that SNL sketch. Just rants about silly things. Like it's the silly, silly, silly sense things. of humor. Like it's a silly, wholesome sense of humor. The best sense of humor? Who can say? So some people have gaydar. You have Mormon dar. Well, yeah, I think anyone from any subculture can detect anyone from the same subculture. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you're given like secret skills. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and what I see in people who have been raised Mormon is you've consumed a lot of jello in your life. <laughs> like I can feel it. The can, gelatin was strong in your raising. You can feel how much jello they've consumed. Is that a thing that's like a that's a really common thing? Like Mormon like people oh, yeah. raised Mormon eat a lot of jello. Why jello? No one knows. But jello is a huge component of the the culture the culture. You bring it to all of the gatherings. And and jello will come in like a ton of different versions. There's just like the plain see-through jello, right? And then you have the sort of cloudy, milky jello. And then you have jello with stuff inside of it, whether it's fruit or like marshmallows. Ooh, oh, like ambrosia salad. I think that's like that. It is very different than yeah, that. Yeah. No. Um, then the shaped jello, the oh. jellos that come in molds. It, oh. It's just really so much a part of, of potlucks. <laughs> Flavored gelatinized water is apparently very popular with the Mormon community. I had no idea. We like our sugar. We like our water. (laughs) 
And also it's cheap to produce is is probably like the actual reason Jello is so popular. Oh, because they have big families. They need to make a dessert that serves everyone. Yeah, you everyone. need a high volume. You need high volume food for a low price. You can't just make a pie when that'll serve four people when you have eight to 20 people in the family, right? Like it's... Do your pies only serve four people? Well, the the way that we eat pies, the way that my family eats pies, yeah, one pie will serve like four people. That's like a fourth of the pie per person. How would you define your raising? Is it like the Catholic thing that makes that? Is like a, is it a Mexican Catholic thing? Uh, my raising, I would define my raising as like Mexican San Francisco raised kind of upbringing where my family, like on my mom's side, they're, they're, they're Mexican, but also American, but also grew up in San Francisco. So there's a sort of melding pot there. Um, but it was definitely Mexican influence. There were a number of actually almost every single Christmas for as long as I can remember in my childhood involved obviously the usual presents and all of that and the potluck style dinners, which were, you know, classic American Christmases. But they also included a pinata that we would all, all of the kids under 18 would go and hit and knock out candy after we went and opened presents. And then a Christmas caroling expedition where we would go to my Tia Rosa's house and sing Christmas carols with everyone had an instrument. There would like be a box of instruments that would just appear out of nowhere that my uncle would just materialize. And like, there'd be like maracas and there would be like the little thing that you, like the little slide thing. And then we'd like sing songs in English and in Spanish and go to my Tia Rosa's house and have a second dinner with her. And then we'd, then we'd carol back to our house, which is, you know, that feels, feels Mexican adjacent, you know, like the, the food, the, the singing, the piñatas. So yeah, I'd say it's, it's Mexican adjacent. I, I like the piñatas. Christmas piñatas sound very cool. Oh, it was great. The Mormons yeah. are big on, on the instruments as well. Like they'll just, all of them know how to play the piano. And they'll, they'll whip out some stringed instruments and a tambourine at a moment's notice. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a, a best friend in, in college who was raised Jehovah's Witness. And her house was a big music house, too. I, I think religion and musical instruments, the Venn diagram is almost a circle. The, the family that I had there, not only were they Mexican, but they also had some religious, like miscellaneous religious backgrounds. And the family that was relatively religious, the part of the family that was relatively religious had a ton of musical instruments and musical proficiency in that family. They had like a family band. There was like <laughs> seven of them in that one family, like father, you know, mother, and then like seven kids. Uh -huh. And they all could sing. They all played like guitar or the kazoo or the harmonica. And they would just whip out these guitars out of nowhere and go, y'all ready to sing Feliz Navidad? And then they do harmonies and stuff. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. But like, you don't see a ton of gatherings where everyone just plays guitars. Like you, you experienced it with your family growing up too, though. Oh, yeah. Um, and in secular families, I notice it's not so much of a thing. Yeah. Like if you, if I went over to my secular friend's house, there aren't just guitars, banjos, <laughs> harmonicas, and percussion instruments just get around the house. Yeah especially in, in the uh, family rooms? Well, there's, there's a strong component of like worship for a lot of religions that involves a musical element. I mean, if you think about it, if you, if you even as a child went to church once a week, every Sunday, mm -hmm. usually there was a band involved. And even if you weren't in it, 
everyone sang when the band sang and there were opportunities to like be in the band and everyone that I knew of was in the band at a certain point <laughs> because they're like, oh, I don't want to play the guitar. Sure, I'll go up and perform. The worship part is a lot of it is singing and playing instruments. So it actually makes a lot of sense. Like you just practice every single week. It's like built into the culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They do a lot of theater too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. The um, the Mormons are very into doing theater. Almost half the non the non school plays that I've been in have been Mormonism adjacent. Yeah. In um, elementary school, when I was still going to church, there was a leader in that church who ran a school, but most importantly, ran the theater program within that school. So I'd be doing like the Christmas Carol with with her group pretty regularly. And my own brother and sister-in-law and their family, Christmas carols abound. And the kids are in, in theater outside of Christmas carols as well. Very artistic. Mm -hmm. I, I've always thought of religiosity or specifically the Mormon religion as kind of a tour of all the things you can do to get non-vice related serotonin so you can you can you can sing you can perform these are these are great ways to get kind of a natural high without any form of vice it's a very enjoyable environment to be in if you're artistically inclined but don't stay too long because it'll get weird eventually <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean they don't even drink coffee so like all of it is like they, they got to find the serotonin where they can get it and honestly those are a lot of really solid, just like, you know, not non, like you said, non-vice related way to get serotonin, you know? And it's like, I, I like my vices too, but I also like the balance of like just going out and running or singing or playing an instrument to get that, get that kind of boost, that kick of like, yeah, I feel good today. As yeah, the sort of like yeah. wholesome mm -hmm. dopamine seeking. It's a good balance, you know? Because if you're all vices all the time, like if I, if I drank 20 cups of coffee a day, I think I would just be vibrating and i would just vibrate through walls and it would be a problem <laughs> oh yeah yeah i think the reason that wholesomeness or virtue and vice live in different on different sides of the fence is like the negative externalities related to mm. them so if you if you choose an intoxicant you're gonna have a hangover mm, yeah. um, and that's like the negative externality of the easy enjoyment and activity you had before so if if you drink it's a lot easier to talk to people and there's a little fearlessness and and whatever, whatever, but you're probably going to eat badly and wake up feeling a little bit low. Yeah. Um, and any depressant is going to give you a little bit of a hmm yeah. afterwards. You drink coffee. The coffee, next... you get a crash. Mm -hmm. And especially like once you start drinking a decent amount of coffee, you find, you know, you kind of in the mornings, you're not as energetic without a little bit of coffee. And so, yeah, there's just some negative externalities to it. So I, I get why, like, the, the balance is important. You got to you gotta have yeah. both. Like, I, I'm not But, about... like, if you play the banjo, you're probably not going to have a hangover. <laughs> probably play not. those sweet tunes. I mean, your fingers might be really sore. Your wrist can get sore from, like, all of the, the, the plucking and the moving up and down the strings. But, no, you're not going to wake up like, oh, man, such a banjo hangover. Oh, I shouldn't have done so many banjos last oh, night. I did so much. I mean, to be fair, if you sing too much, you will actually get like vocal polyps or, or just have like a really sore throat the next day. So you can actually sing too much. What makes you think that singing's wholesome? I mean, <gasps> oh, I don't know. I just Shots figured it's... fired. What? Singing is totally wholesome, right? I don't know. Rock and roll. Oh, question mark. Oh, I All see. All of them 
I don't know. Ask Tipper Gore. Okay, but what about like what about Christian Rock? Huh? Dude, I have a soft spot in my heart for Christian Rock. Remember Switchfoot? I don't remember anything by them, but I remember. Okay, it's name. turn of the last century. <laughs> yeah. That's where we are, guys. She's turned um, the last century. A walk to remember, Jeez. which I think came out in the two thousands. It, it's on that cusp of late nineties and early two thousands where my memory gets a little squishy. So Switchfoot had a bunch of songs on that that soundtrack, and none of them are bad. Like Christian Rock can be pretty good. Switchfoot informs you. There's a belief that Americans are becoming less religious than they were. I haven't observed that to be true. I, in fact, I would say they're probably the opposite. It's just that they're not all going to traditional churches. Mm-hmm. I see a bunch of people going into the spirituality space, especially oh, yeah. online. So like astrology became really, really big for Gen Z, kind of like it was really, really big for the baby boomers. And at that time with the baby boomers, they're like, oh, they're turning away from church. Me, as a millennial looking at this, I'm like, oh, spirituality is actually becoming more appealing mm. to the younger generation. And that makes total sense, right? Because the world has a couple of challenging elements, the sort of thing that you might want to discuss with a higher power, or at least to me, the appeal of religion is I need an adult. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and when you're an adult, so like when you're a child, you're like, uh, I need an adult. Stuff is going down that I don't have the capacity to deal with. I need an adult. Mm -hmm. But then you grow up and you're an adult and the world still has those things where it's like, I don't know how to deal with this. I would very much like an adult. And someone's like, you're the adult now. And I'm like, I need a bigger adult. And they're like, would you like the government? And it's like, no, not that kind of adult. Like a nice adult that cares about me and is invested in my success. And they're like, have you met God <laughs> and it's, or the universe or a or, divine or karma or whatever? Yeah, yeah, something that is very, very big and has your best interests at heart. That's the, the appeal of religion. And it's, of course, it's beautiful. Like that's totally. that's why it's been around for so long. It unquestionably fulfills a human need. Oh, yeah, totally. There is a difference between religion and spirituality. And I think people are. Um, if if we consider them under the same umbrella, that makes sense to me. I oh, don't yeah, know I think would... of religion and spirituality. They're all under the umbrella of faith, right? Of faith, yeah. Faith. People are still turning to faith, whether it's religion or whether it's spirituality. I think some people, I think as a whole, we are less openly religious mm-hmm. in some of the bigger cities that may be biasing me in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do see a lot of people turning to spirituality, which again, they're both... I like the idea of religion and spirituality being under the umbrella of faith because that's what it's about, whether it's faith in a God like Allah or uh, Jehovah or Yahweh or just the standard Christian God or the universe or, you know, intentionality or that sort of thing. Mm. Um, There is a common thread there, uh, but I see people kind of fighting about, well, you're not religious, you're spiritual. And that's maybe that's a stupid fight. Maybe it doesn't make sense. In my opinion, it's a stupid fight because to me, it just looks like Catholicism and Protestantism, like duking it out. Let me draw the direct comparison. Please do. Uh, Catholicism in the 14 and 1500s, that's organized, dogmatic, and you have a priest telling you what to think about your religion. So Mm. like that to me is like organized religion today. Dogmatic. There's a dogma. There's a set of rituals that we've all agreed upon. And Protestantism at the time was extremely um, divergent in that it didn't need a priest. There wasn't a specific dogma. 
if you could read the Bible, you could manage your own faith. Mm -hmm. And that to me sounds a lot like spirituality, right? That's fair. Yeah. Where it's undogmatic. You don't have a priest. No one's telling you how to practice. Less prescriptive. Yeah. Less prescriptive. Mm -hmm. So when I look at people who are getting very into spirituality, those look to me like Protestants, like, like people like who are protesting the fact that most religions are requiring them to behave in a certain way, to practice a certain way, to meet at a certain time. Some people just are really independent and want to have an individual relationship with God even, or universe or whatever. Even meditation is kind of like a, a spirituality's version of prayer, which I, I really enjoyed that connection you you drew when we watched Six, that outstanding musical about mm -hmm. the six wives of Henry VIII mm -hmm. and how a lot of them were very religious. And I was like, that's interesting. And you said, well, back in that day, being religious was like being like a yoga girl nowadays. Oh, like, yeah, it it was, was very popular and everyone did it. And to be fair, meditation oh, and yeah, hot prayer... girls were religious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it was trendy to be religious, just like it's trendy to be a meditative yoga girl. Like mindfulness yeah and there's there's a similarity you sit in silence and you you think and you like center yourself and it feels good yeah like, you go to your church you sit down mm -hmm. and you meditate yeah. functionally yeah. like whether whether you call it prayer or meditation the the mental activities are very very similar and instead of affirmations you're stating direct prayers to god which are still they're sort of asking for the same thing, right? Yeah. And heck, in, in the yoga classes that, you know, you and I have been to, there's even sometimes like the little sound bath they'll do. So there's oh, instrument, yeah. there's instruments, Love a good bowl. there's even some vocalization that takes place, which oh, is yeah, chanting, call and response vocalization too, which again is like prayer or like the worship of, of religion. So, you know, I always thought of them as like in different camps, almost opposing camps, but that's a really good point. They're just under the... Religion and spirituality aren't in opposing camps. They're just under the larger umbrella of faith. They've just been turned against each other for whatever reason. I don't know why. People who are most like each other will fight. Mm. You're probably going to have more problems with people within your same culture than people from another culture. Mm -hmm. Because you just don't have, you don't know what to fight about with someone from another culture. Oh, yeah. But if you share a culture, you can be like, I dislike the way you do this thing that we share. Oh, yeah. Like the Southern California and Northern California conflict. For those of you who've ever spent any time in California, that is absolutely a thing. People from Northern California, some of them have very strong feelings about people from Southern California and that rivalry between them, even mm -hmm. though to the rest of the country, people are like, well, y'all are all from California. Y'all are all a little kooky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? And we in America have all of those regional biases yeah. where we're like, people from the South are like this. People from the coast are like this. Exactly. Um, and those are far more advanced prejudices than people outside of America would have around you. I think you really have to know someone or a group really well to have strong feelings about them, whether it's negative or positive. You're like, I know a lot about you and that's why I like you less or more. You know, mm -hmm. It's just interesting how that works. You think the more someone you get to know someone, the more you're like, you know what? We have a lot in common. We get along. And that can be true for some groups, but then some groups, like they just, rankle you for some reason you're like ah uh, i don't these people <laughs> yeah it's kind of like how what you don't like about another person is something that's present within yourself oh my gosh yeah yeah which i'm i'm constantly smacked in the face by because i'll be like oh i really dislike that you do this individual i know and then i stare in the mirror and i'm like i do it too <laughs> <laughs> right 
Dude, I remember. I don't hate you. I hate myself. <laughs> I remember in another another life when I was doing community college, there mm-hmm. was a there was a group of girls who you know they were they were confident, they were flirtatious, they were kind of that's just what they did, you know. Mm-hmm. And another girl came in and actually was was like that, but less discreet about it. And they instantly did not like her. I'm like, but y'all are very similar in a lot of ways. She's just more overt than you are. And they're like, no, we don't like her. I'm like, but but why? You're so similar. Nothing wrong with what either of them was doing, but that's why I was so confused why they were like, why they clashed. Or like during the Gilded Age when you have like the old money from New York confronting the new money from the Industrial Revolution. And they're just rich people. You're all just a bunch of rich people. Yeah. And they're like, it's actually very important that you have the tea set that we have all agreed upon as the right one. Oh my gosh. And society is done this way and not your way. People are really funny. It is our similarities that will make us take up arms. Yeah. I saw this like fashion YouTube on the difference between old money fashion Mm -hmm. and like quiet luxury. And again, that's just old money versus new money. Like it's y'all are y'all think you're so different, but you're not, you know, (laughs) it kind of makes me wonder like who is in my world and who is in my life that I think is very, very different than myself and who annoys me and why? are they maybe more similar to me than I realize? You know, we have these unconscious biases. Like we just don't like X person for some reason, but is it because they're like me or because whatever reason? I don't know. I think it's good to examine sometimes. I've noticed that the people who are closest to me are the ones who annoy me the most, but that's just because they're there. Yeah. It, you could replace them with literally anyone else and I would still be annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> because that's apparently just how i relate to to my reality (laughs) my love is marbled with annoyance oh it does make it interesting right you're not bored with the people around you you're like this is interesting oh no i've never found a human being in my life boring like y'all y'all are very very interesting like yeah people will i find that people will often have the fight over are human beings good or bad? And I'm like, that, I can't even give give oxygen to this conversation because, because it doesn't matter and you can't find out. And also the thing that human beings are is interesting. It's like asking if a, if a hot dog is a sandwich. It doesn't matter and it's not, it's NA, not applicable. But like, like is doesn't... a cat good or, e- like are cats good or evil? Yeah. Are any living animals good or evil? Well, it's an oversimplification. Like, that's not how people work. I was talking uh, with someone the other day who was coaching some young Mm -hmm. game developers. They wanted to use the the Dungeons and Dragons alignment Mm -hmm. um, groupings to basically determine how the characters in the game would operate, which if you're not familiar with it, they're, they're like a very specific set of like alignments, like lawful good, chaotic neutral, chaotic evil. And they're very specific. There are very specific things that people will do that have this alignment and very specific things they won't do. And he was like, well, why don't you consider like Carl Jung's like wheel of archetypes, like mm. the the wizard and the 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 rebel and all of these different things because it's less it's less prescriptive and people are more nuanced than like always doing lawful good things. Like Someone who's a rebel could do lawful, evil, or chaotic good. They could do all kinds of things. The point is a human being could do almost anything. Like there's nothing, one thing we learned we learned in acting is like there's 
there's really nothing your character wouldn't do under the right circumstance. And I think people are the right are the same way. I think morality is relative, not in the sense that it's relative in an absolute way. Mm-hmm. It's like killing someone probably bad. But the thing that makes it relative is the context. Mm-hmm. So like, who are you killing and why yeah. is the question to address in the so-and-so has, has been killing. Yeah. Depending on where you live, a lot of your actions actually cannot be moral because of how you get the things, mm. like because of the complexity of the world around you and because that complex world does harm to things. And you, though you interact with the superstructure that mm-hmm does the evil you have no power to influence whether it does evil or not but you're still interacting with it meaning that technically you're evil too yeah and so that's what makes morality so complex and hard to discuss i i find it's not good dinner conversation but discussions around it are good dinner conversations like our red flags game like what is what is desirable or undesirable in this context yeah what was the game that the pub quiz guy told us about? Oh, uh, is it the Sherlock Investigations game? Or? No, no. It was the one that was similar to uh, Red Flags. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Um, it was like one one perk and one quirk. Yeah, but he, I don't think he ever told us the name. He's like, you'll find it. You'll find it in the ether. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there are tons of questions to ask about human beings, but it's morality questions are rough mm, they are and i think the good place just briefly on the topic mm. of morality i think the good place does a really good job of articulating both the struggle how challenging it is to actually be a good person because of how complex the supply chain like global supply chain is mm-hmm. because along the way to getting your stuff some bad things had to happen to get it and you, in order to be a good person it is very hard but it is important, it is, imper- it is imperative that we at least try to be a good person. And I think that's, that to me, that really stuck with me. It's not about black and white saying like, well, I have to do everything. I, every single one of my actions has to be completely unfettered by, by bad because you can't. You'd have to live in a cave, make all of your own food and just be removed from society. <laughs> but yeah. Which represents a threat to your survival. It does. It does. And it means you can actually do less good for your society if you're removed from society. The person over the course of their lifetime, even if they just volunteer a couple times a week or a couple times a month, like they're doing more good for their society than if they're just isolated in a cave somewhere. You know how I'm going to do more good for my society? Tell me. I'm going to get back to work. You're going to get back to work? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I, I think that the greatest good that I can do right now is get some stuff done. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Laura, this has been a pleasure speaking with you as usual. And um, I enjoyed our conversation about religion. And morality. And morality. It was a nice segue into it. It had some good ups and downs. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next lunch break. Same. Yeah. Have a good one, my friend. All right. Bye. Bye. This has been Stephen. And Laura. Thanks for tuning in to Midday Musings, the podcast where we talk about all things large and small. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and look out for polls and Q&As in the future. We'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts and reactions with us on Spotify and on social media. Catch you next lunch break. <laughs>